Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henn. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to take a look at verses 4 through 6. Verse 4 through 6. Verse 4, it begins. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit, of His Son. Now, a couple of things off the top here before we go too far into this, and that is, let me say this, in a, a message of one thing, I can only talk so much about the Holy Spirit, so I try to be simple. I'm trying to get to the point. Uh, I do need to do a longer series where I show you the whole working of the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all that, so you can see it all in one context. The second thing that I would say is, listen, unless you are filled by the Holy Spirit, unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will not grow in your Christian walk. You will not grow in Christ. Listen, you might be saved, but you will for sure be stuck. You'll be stuck in your sin. You'll be stuck in the same old thought patterns and same old patterns of behavior. You will not move from that spot. You will find yourself not understanding how God's truth applies to your life. You won't experience a victory over your flesh. You will find yourself spinning your wheels in the mud and, and not experiencing the abundant life that we see expressed in Scripture. The other thing that I want to say off the top here, just because of the culture that we live in today, and that is this. There is nothing about the Holy Spirit that is weird or strange or eerie. That is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, He is a person, He is good, and it's, it's kind of the work of Satan today in our culture to surround the person of the Holy Spirit kind of with an aura of strangeness. So even when I begin to talk about these things, it's like the Spirit-filled life is something that is odd. And, and not odd in a good way, not, not different in a holy way, but different in, a, in an eerie way, a, a, a creepy way almost. And so listen, the devil has manufactured that lie. And he has manufactured that lie, hear me clearly, through preachers who have demons. Who also, people who are just kind of operating in the flesh, they're, you know, just look, wanting to appear spiritual and 
But ultimately, Satan has hashed that lie because he seeks to, number one, discredit the Holy Spirit so that you keep him at a distance, so that you do not experience the real power and presence of God in your life. And he discredits the Holy Spirit so you go, ah, and then you don't experience all that Christ has for your life. And he keeps you neutralized and in your sin and and just kind of wallowing in the same place rather than you growing in Christ and being used as a weapon for his kingdom. And you experiencing greater life, you experiencing greater power, you you're walking deeper and deeper with him. Verse six again. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, what? Hava, Father, that is the Holy Spirit testifies to us. He, He tells us, that we are children of God. That is, the Holy Spirit reveals the Father to us, and then he immerses us in his love. Listen, so much so that my my heart cries out, my, my spirit cries out, Abba, Papa, Daddy. It is this intimate, affectionate expression of a a fully dependent child responding to a secure and good and loving father. Now listen, that is not an intellectual thing alone. Like the statement, hey, God loves you. This kind of knowing, this kind of experience, you you know the Father, you know Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit, you experience it with your whole being. It's an encounter, it fills your mind, your heart. You you know him, his love immerses you. you. You feel your life filled with the love that you've never known before. It is a God encounter that should happen to you. And if it hasn't, something is off. This is normal. Verse 6 again. And because you were sons, God has sent... The what? Spirit Spirit of his son into our hearts. That is to say this, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. And so think with me, we we, we think about Jesus, right? And, And we think about Jesus in the four gospels and, you know, we, we think about how powerful he was. And he did so, by the way, in submission to the Holy Spirit. 
And we think about how compassionate he was, how pure he was, how good he was. Listen, how sane he was, how, how simple he was. Listen, he, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't trying to be cool. He wasn't trying to be relevant. He, he wasn't worldly. He was disciplined in all his ways and his emotions. He was dignified and, and orderly in, in all that he, he did. And, and so I say that to say this. If you want to discern the real Holy Spirit, listen, friends, just look at Jesus and I say that because there is a lot of nonsense being peddled today as the work of the Holy Spirit. And all I want to put in your toolbox right now this morning is this. All, all we have to do as we look at what is being claimed as the Holy Spirit out there, all we have to ask is, would Jesus do that? Does, does that look like Jesus? Is, is that characteristic of Jesus? Does that, does that match what I see Jesus doing in the Gospels? And so some of it, the answer is yes. And, but yet quite a bit other of it, the answer is n no. And for example, some of what we see today, you, you just know, it, it's all about the show, right? It's all about, uh, you know, gathering that crowd, creating that environment, and then manipulating that crowd towards a direction. And so listen, does that, does that sound like Jesus? It's not really about the show and and so sometimes you know uh, people will get up in that and they'll make big claims and they'll deliver little right but it's all in order to gain some kind of credibility so that people will follow them other sincere people they they really sincerely want to walk in the spirit they want to see something happen and so they're kind of faking it till they make it type of mentality you know they're a little bit more sincere about it and then others it's quite frankly is is just flat out scary it is demonic and i look at that and i'm going i would not take my family to that event I wouldn't want my family at that church. I wouldn't want my family at that youth group. All I know is that that doesn't look like anything of the Jesus I know in the four gospel. That, that doesn't fit his character at all. And so when we're discerning the genuine Holy Spirit, listen, all we have to do is look at who Jesus is. Is and and so if if the Holy Spirit is like Jesus, we should not be afraid of Him in any way. We should not be creeped out by Him in any way. We should 
we should want him, right? We, we should desire him. We should want our kids to have all of him. We should want our family to have all of him. We should want our church to have all of him because he's, he's good and, and he's life and he's what sets us free and he's what gives us hope and faith and power to live this life. We, we, should, we should actually want that. It should be good and, and noble and and make us like Jesus. We shouldn't be creeped out in any way. And, you know, you think about the little children. They were drawn to Jesus. He wasn't creepy. He wasn't, you know, uh, out of control. And I say that because what a lot of ministers are calling the work of the Spirit, what people are manifesting as the work of the Spirit? It's not. And most of what I see is those people need delivered. And they're calling it the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that, that is not the genuine Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. And in, in order to disarm people, this is what false preachers and teachers do. In order to disarm you from thinking and then in order to deceive you. Now let me say this. Some preachers are full of demons. They're deceiving you on purpose. Others are just naive. They're undiscerning. They're just repeating what they've learned. Okay, There's all kinds of expressions out there. But this is what they'll do to disarm you. They'll, they'll say something of this nature. Listen, hey, you cannot put the Holy Spirit in the box, man. You can't put God in a box. You got, you got to be open to any and everything that he does, right? I mean, you can't, you can't say he can't do that. You, you, you got to... You just got to let go. You got to turn your brain off. And, you know, so whatever wacky, uncontrolled thing happens, you know, we're not, we're not trying to control the spirit. And, and listen, if you, if you try to use your mind, if, you, if you're just not totally open to whatever happens, then, then listen, bro, you're quenching the spirit. Anybody ever hear that? Well, my response to that is sort of. That is, there, you know, when it comes to uh, false teaching or a lie, there's always a kernel of truth, but it's twisted, right? That is, you understand that Satan knows his Bible better than all of us in this room. And his messengers do as well, and they will teach a truth, and then they will twist it. And so here's the deal. For sure, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit because we quench him very, very easily. We, we quench him with our unbelief. We, we, don't, we don't even believe what's revealed in the word for the Holy Spirit to do. So, yep, I'm in agreement with that. We grieve the Holy Spirit, we quench him with our sin and just with us doing our life the way we want. We do need to be way, way, way more open to the Holy Spirit because we quench him. We also need to be open 
for God to move in our lives in unexpected ways. You know, higher are his thoughts than my thoughts. Higher are his ways than our ways, right? But listen, those unexpected ways, those supernatural ways, are always going to be consistent with his character revealed in his word. And so here's my problem with that statement that you cannot put the Holy Spirit in a box. Well, the Holy Spirit, who wrote the scriptures, says to you, and he says to me, here is the box. And this is how you tell, listen, whether it is me or whether it is not me. This is the only objective standard that we have to tell whether something is true or something is false, whether that experience is genuine or whether it is a counterfeit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who says, here, here is my box. Yeah, I'm not contained in all of that, no, but here is the objective standard for you to know. 1 John 4.1, take a look on the screen with me. It says this, beloved, that's you. Beloved, th- those who are loved by God, my, my, my sons and daughters of God, my, I love you so much. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And boy, have they. And so how do we test the spirits? We test them with the word of God. And so we filter every teacher. We filter every teaching through this word and including me, gang. I'm not off that hook. I don't want to invite criticism into my life, but I care that you're Bereans. It it applies to me. We filter every experience through this book. And we have totally flipped that on its head today. And so people have an experience, and then they automatically say, that was from God. Well, maybe it was. I'm not against that. But maybe it wasn't. You have to test it. You have to see, was that God? We are to be Bereans. We are to use discernment. And so listen. We are to love the Lord our God with all our mind. And so the Holy Spirit, who wrote the scriptures, says you are not quenching the Spirit. You are not grieving the Spirit when you love the Lord with all your mind. When you look at the Word and you discern, what is happening here, Lord? Is this you? Is this consistent with what I see in your word, can I, can I get on board? I, I'm not quenching or grieving the spirit according to the spirit in this moment. I'm actually obeying him. 
He's the one who tells me to do that. Do you understand we cannot be naive just because it's a preacher, just because it's a church, just because it's a quote-unquote Christian event. Don't turn your mind off. Satan comes as an angel of light. He masquerades as the Holy Spirit. He gives all kinds of experiences to people, all kinds of infusion of joy and love, and it's, it's quite familiar to psychedelics, if I was to be honest. <laughs> it is, if you watch. And it dissipates. It doesn't last. Listen, God's love, God's joy doesn't dissipate so much more solid so much more real because it's a person inside of you turn to Galatians chapter 5 Galatians chapter 5 just a chapter over verse 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things is no law. So those fruits, listen, are the attributes of the Holy Spirit. It is who he is. Listen, he is love. He is joy. He is peace peace. He is patience. He is kindness. He is goodness. He is faithfulness. He is gentleness. He is self-control. And so if someone is being filled fully with the Holy Spirit, that is what will manifest out of their life. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 37 to 39, and this is actually the Apostle Peter's first sermon. After Pentecost, after he is filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. Now listen, if you read the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14, and, and they have the Spirit with them, and Jesus is with them, and and he says to him, you, you, you know the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to send him. He's going to be in you. And then that happens in John 16. But then in John 16, he tells him to go wait in the upper room because not only is the Holy Spirit going to be with you and in you, it's going to come upon you for empowerment for ministry. And so this is after that happens and Verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Well, what did they hear? Well, Peter had just preached a sermon and told them, you know, listen, uh, you guys, you're enemies of God. And you know what? Your sin put Jesus on the cross. You crucified him. You crucified him with your rebellion. You're responsible for putting the Messiah on the cross. But listen, even though you despised him, he loved you. He wanted to save you. And so listen, he willingly went 
because he knew he had to in order to atone for your sin. And so in this moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting them of their sin. And that's one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit, right? He convicts us of our sin and he helps us to see the Savior. And so that is happening in this moment. And their response back to Peter is, well, what do we do now? We're in our sin and rebellion. We're enemies of God. What do we do? Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, what? Repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will what? Receive Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That is the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us today as well as it was for them back then. Verse 39 again, for the promise is for you and it's for your children. But listen, it's it's for all who are far off. That is us. And in case you didn't get it, he ends with everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so the first step that Peter says, what do you need to do? You need to repent. Repent means to change your mind. It leads to a change of direction in your life. And what I find is a lot of people don't really want the Holy Spirit. They say they want the Holy Spirit, but they don't really want the Holy Spirit because if you really want the Holy Spirit, He will take control of your life. He will come into your heart and convict you of your sin. He will come into those corners and say, yeah, you need to let go of that. (laughs) He, He will come in and say, listen, nothing else can rule in this place but me. And most people don't want that. Most Christians, they want a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of help, and they basically want to go live their life the way that they want. They want to have a measure of control over how much they give to God, over how much they're committed. They they want to hang on So the first thing that Peter says they need to do is they need to repent. They need to repent of their sin. They they need to realize that their sin has separated them from God and they need to look to Jesus and and ask for his forgiveness. And, and, And if they will do that, then Jesus promises to wash away their sin and And then the next step, once they make that decision, is they need to get baptized. That's 
kind of that outward sign of the fact that we have given our life over to Jesus. And then the third thing he says is then we need help. Then we need a new power in order to walk out this Christian life. Then we need the Holy Spirit. That is, Jesus does not just wipe our sin away and forgive us of our sin. He puts the Holy Spirit into our life so that we have help living out this new man that he has created within us. Everyone ultimately receives the Holy Spirit at conversion. You cannot be a Christian. Hear me, friends. You cannot be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says this. Anyone, right? Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not what? Does not what? Is it not up there? <laughs> Thank you. Does not belong to him. <laughs> Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's the second part of that verse. Everyone has the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You get the Holy Spirit. And listen, you get all of him. He is a person, right? So you get all of him at that moment. But listen, that is not the end of of our experiences with the Holy Spirit. That is, listen, there is one baptism, there are multiple fillings. There is one baptism and multiple times that the Spirit can come upon us, that can fill us for a task, for a ministry, for a moment, for a time. And so listen, we see this all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. In fact, you can take a look at this later. I'm not going to go there, but, but in uh, Acts chapter 2 here, we see Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit and then preaching this sermon. Well, if you go over and look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, he is filled with the Spirit again and then preaches again. And so there is one baptism multiple feelings. That is it's something that goes on and on and on. And, and so that has been my experience with the Holy Spirit as well, that he comes upon me for particular tasks and particular moments. And, and so I've seen that happen when I've prayed for people. Uh, that I, I can't explain it to you, but the Lord comes and he he speaks to my heart, and I just know, he, he gives me the faith to know that I have what I ask for. I, I just know it. And it's a wonderful thing. It doesn't happen every time I pray. I wish it did. And it's probably my fault it doesn't happen more often. I'm probably the one that cuts it off. It happens when I'm preaching sometimes, you know, that the Holy Spirit will take over and he will speak some things through me. And it's like, I, I, that, that, 
That was not planned. That, that was anything I thought of beforehand. And listen, I can't repeat it. You know, I can't go back and preach that again some other time. It was, it was what God once said to his people in that moment, only for that moment. The same thing happens in counseling sessions at times, I can't, but I can't use it again. It was, it, it was a word for that moment. It happens sometimes uh, where I, I, I would, it's like angels are carrying me. I have this supernatural endurance. I have this overwhelming peace when I should be falling apart in a battle. And yet God's grace sustains me. But listen, when it's resolved, that empowerment leaves. But my point is this. There are many, many second experiences in the Holy Spirit. Listen, we don't lose the anointing. We don't lose the Holy Spirit. We simply experience Him more, more of His power, more of His presence in certain moments. You understand? Okay, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18. Not only is there one baptism, multiple fillings, we're actually commanded to do it. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that is a command of God. And, and so filled means literally to be taken over by. It, it literally means to be empowered by. And so the idea here is I am to be taken over by the Holy Spirit fully so that his influence has full access to flow in and through my life. That I am so yielded, he has so taken control of my mind and my heart and my body that, that I am under his influence. He is the one that is guiding my thoughts. He is the one that is guiding however I'm ministering. He is the one that is in control of my body. I am under his influence accomplishing what he wants. And that's why the comparison with wine there. That is, just like you have to keep drinking wine in order to stay drunk, which I'm sure none of you have ever experienced. I'm glad. In order to stay under the influence of alcohol, you have to keep drinking it. In the same way, we must keep on yielding. We must keep on surrendering control 
of our life in order that we may stay under the Holy Spirit's influence so that we are walking in his power and his authority so that we are bearing his fruit and we are staying connected to Jesus. And so listen, as we close this morning, my my heart is so hungry for you to know and experience the real Holy Spirit and the boundless things that he can do in your life. In, in trying to guard you from that which I think is counterfeit, I don't want to in any way imply that what you see in God's word cannot be a part of your life, which is a lot of amazing stuff. Our God is a God of the impossible. Our God is a God of miracles. Our God is a God who wants to do miracles in and through us. So I don't want to in any way imply any of that. But I am desperate for us all to truly surrender to the Holy Spirit. And when I see people stuck in their sin and when I see people spinning their wheels so much, I just know, I know because, and the reason I know is not because I'm more spiritual. The reason I know is it's taken a long time for the Lord to teach me how to walk with him. <laughs> I've been there. I've been slinging that mud. I, I, I know what it looks like. And I know the breakthrough when the Holy Spirit finally breaks through whatever blindness Whatever lie you're buying into, whatever idol you're clinging to in your heart, there's so many different things. Some of us, um, because of our behavior in the past, uh, we might have some demonic things that are preventing us from truly having freedom. And so in this moment, I'm, I'm just asking wherever you're at, I don't know what God's going to do in your heart. Uh, for some of us, we're not receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time. For others, you know, we're just asking for that fresh filling. We're asking for him to come upon us in greater measure. Listen, as he's done in the past, and that, you know, if you ever study revivals, I mean, God has come upon his church in some big time unusual ways, and it has catapulted uh, the church forward in, in significant ways. And that was... Uh, a total God thing, and I don't know, I, I feel like, yeah, in our moment, in our nation, and things are going on in life, I, I sure pray for that every single day, and I'm, I'm hungry for whatever God wants to give us, and I'm grateful for what God has already given and what we've already experienced in Him, but I'm, I'm leaning forward at the same time, right? Let's, let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.